I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm talking with our kids about race and reality. In black culture, it's known as the talk, when parents sit their children, usually their sons down, and explain to them that the world may not see them for the wonderful human beings they are, but as a negative stereotype based on racism, and attack them, arrest them, and even kill them simply because of the color of their skin. For many families, it's not just one talk, but a series of talks. The need never greater than in 2020. While many families were on quarantine, glued to phones, tablets, and TV screens, the horrific murders of two unarmed African-American men, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, shocked the world and reinforced long-held fears. They were also inescapable reminders of the need for the talk. As white Americans with good hearts seek to understand this particular aspect of black pain, and as many black Americans now feel the freedom to speak more clearly about the ugliness of, and hurt of racism, we bring you a panel to explore and understand the impact this disease has on all our children, but especially our black boys. Joining me now is board-certified clinical psychologist, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He is one of America's top psychologists, a professor at Toro College of Osteopathic Medicine, an author and network TV commentator, and you've seen him on many reality TV shows as well. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's a mother of two. She's also the founder of Young Urban Moms and a real estate agent. Mary, great to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist Peter Guns. He's a father of five boys. He's the star of a very hot TV show that is basically on all kinds of platforms called Cheaters, and you may know him from what he's been going through on Love and Hip Hop New York. Peter, great to have you with us. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Glad to be here. Good to have you with us. Uh, Dr. Jeff, first of all, the, the issue, why the need for the talk in America, especially at this time? Well, because we know that um, black people, black and brown people, brown and black people uh, certainly are more at risk uh, for racial profiling uh, and for cases of police brutality. Uh, and therefore, we're talking about you know, our young boys and our young girls. Uh, but with our young boys, we know that they are much more at risk for the possibility of some sort of an encounter with uh, police officers that may go wrong. And we've seen that that's happened. We had a problem in the past in New York City with racial profiling, uh, a lot of arrests, unneeded arrests. And as we know, some cases, some very famous cases that you brought up of police brutality and police killings. So now is the time to have the talk. I think uh, it was the time to have the talk 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 60 years ago, but now more than ever. Mary, tell us why you started Young Urban Moms. What was the whole point behind that? So I started Young Urban Moms actually as a blog a few years back, um, basically because I, as a mother, didn't find any other outlets that really spoke to mothers like myself. Um, I'm a millennial um, and I'm also black. And uh, my partners who I started Yum With, which we affectionately refer to ourselves as, um, are also you know brown and black as well. And we didn't find any other outlets that really addressed issues of motherhood that were specific to us. Um, and so in recent uh, months, we actually have recorded our first season as a podcast because 
that's where, you know, the ears and eyes, so to speak, are going. And recently we created a video after George Floyd's murder um, that really, you know, showcased what our conversations with our children are like in explaining what's going on in the world right now to them. Um, it's, you know, it's real, it's raw. Um, I personally have friends and family members of all different political ideologies, people who understand, you know, Black Lives Matter and what it means and people who don't. And I felt like what better way to show them what it really means and what our fears are like as parents, besides teaching them and showing them an inside look at what these conversations are like. And bringing in the the emotion of that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Peter Guns, you have five sons. You went through a lot of experiences yourself as well. Explain for people who have no idea what the talk is, why you have to give this talk to your black sons. I mean, to me, it's just obvious. Uh, We've been a threat, you know, for a long time with um, police officers. Even as a kid, I can remember being scared of the police. Whereas, you know, a lot of kids might go and say, you know, I want to be a cop when I grow up. We never looked at them as um as friends or or like they were for us. We were always scared, like they were against us. And um, I again, it's uh it's always scary. You know, I always have to tell my son, especially my older one, just you know, you're a little different than other people. You have to yes, officer, no officer. You know, and and some people your pride, it, your pride. You know, I tell young black men, I know, I know it's hard to 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 bow down. But sometimes it's, it's the difference between life and death. You know, these, these police officers are, are, are really on the edge when it comes to young black men. And, uh, you know, I know it's hard to yes officer, no officer, especially when they're talking crazy to you. And I, I put myself in that position uh, many, many times. But on the flip side of that, I also have a lot of friends that's on the job. So, you know, I, I, as a grown man, I see, I see both sides of the coin. I've been saying since I don't know how long that we just need police in our neighborhoods to, to we need to bring bring them together and make them, it can't just happen one time. They have to have the right police in the neighborhood and we all have to get together and, and they have to understand a little. You know, we 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 are troubled people sometimes. No, absolutely. And you just have to understand us. So you can't be so quick to grab your gun or, or go or result to the to the to the ultimate worst when you pop up. It's just the worst, you know. Um, I don't know. You know, it's scary. I will say this. It's scary. and uh, But I think that this time, what's going on right now is, is much needed. I think we're going to see some changes. I just don't, I don't, I hope we don't let off the gas too quickly. But um, on the flip side of that, I don't want to abolish. I don't want the police to throw their hands up and just say, all right, so be it. Do what you yeah, do, especially when we see all the shootings and 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 everything like that. There has to be some line. In. But let me bring it, let me bring it back. I to know me. a couple. I know a few police that told me personally that they just all right, right. You know, like I can see you doing some shit, or you can see you with excuse me language. I can see you walk around and and, and with a gun on you, and I'm gonna wave it to you and keep going because that, that's what you want. You got it. That's scary. That's scary also. So I don't have the answers, but I know we just need to come together and um, figure it out. But you can't come in the neighborhood thinking we all animals either. You know what I mean? Let's get together and figure this out. 
No, absolutely. And we're, and we're going to talk about solutions as well, but I want to bring it back to the kids. Dr. Jeff, for children today, there's no way for them to escape these horrific images that they see like that police, that white police officer with his knee on George Floyd's neck as he's begging for his life and for his mother. With, with a, what impact do these have on kids? Because even if as parents, responsible parents, we keep our children away from you know, as, as much, as many devices as we can, this is a period where everything is, we're looking, we're living through screens. How do you, how do you protect your children or, or what impact, first of all, what impact do you see that having on kids? Well, I, I, I will tell you, uh, I, I also like uh, Peter, uh, I also have many children. Uh, I think I'm up to six now, um, but there's no beating Peter at that, right? Uh, but uh, the important thing, is that uh, even with my kids who've seen uh, the George Floyd uh, murder, uh, I'll use that term, uh, with uh, the police officer on his neck, they didn't really get it. And I'll tell you why they didn't get it when they were looking at it, is because they've seen 50 times worse on their video games, 50 times worse on some of the television shows that they watch, you know, on the video platforms and so on. So it really took my sitting down with them and explaining this is real. This is what can happen when an encounter goes wrong and you, my black sons and daughters, are at risk uh, for this happening to you if you don't conduct yourself uh, a certain way and take charge of a situation or don't let it escalate or go out of control. So it's important for us as parents to be able to explain to our children what it is that they're seeing. And let me say this very quickly. Uh, I agree with, with, with Peter. We have to walk a very fine line for all of our children, uh, our boys, as well as our girls. Definitely. Mary, as your, your son Alonzo is eight years old, do you, and you're in a, a, part, a member of a, a racially and ethnically diverse family, when, do you remember when he first started to realize that his race somehow made him different? from the white kids that were around him or how he was being treated or that he, like, how do you, how do you take a child who's so innocent and then say, you know what, there may be people that may not see you as this beautiful, beautiful creature and person that you are. That's a really good question. And I would say it was probably about a year or two ago. Um, again, I do think where you live really kind of shapes your experience as well. And we're in New York city, but we're in Staten Island, which is predominantly white. Um, and so he often found himself being one of few minorities in his classrooms. Um, and look, you know, thank goodness most children, you know, at his age level aren't necessarily taught, you know, aren't aware of racism yet or aren't necessarily displaying, um, you know, the results of being taught racism. Um, but he definitely would notice that he was different and he was brown. That's how he would describe himself up until recently. Um, and, you know, a lot of his other friends weren't. I also have an older child. I have a 17 year old daughter. and. She has moved around in different school systems, um, specifically because I felt like the environments that she was in initially weren't diverse enough. And I have to say, children, the relationships did not extend really past just seeing each other in school when she was in predominantly white environments. Once I put her in more diverse environments, my house was never empty and I had sleepovers every week and she was invited to birthday parties. So I feel like that right there kind of displayed that these kids kind of knew like they couldn't bring her home. Um, and even now that she's 17 and she reflects on her younger years, 
she's told me some stories that were like heartbreaking of her feeling like she was even treated differently by her white friend's parents when she would visit. Um, so, I mean, these things do start, you know, pretty young and it's such a challenge as a parent to sort of explain this to them, but then kind of like what, you know, Dr. Jeff was just describing, explain that this mentality, but then expect them to not have fear instilled or even anger as a result of it. Right. So. Or, or reduce their expectations for their self, but for themselves or what they can do and what they can achieve. Peter, do you remember one of the first talks you had with one of your sons? I, had, I caught a gun charge in uh, 1993-94, and it was the white police officer that caught me with the gun, and I had the gun. He knew it was on me, and he begged me to put the gun down. He knew he saw it. It was right there, and I wouldn't put it down. And he was like, I'm begging you. Take the gun out. Put your arms up. Take the gun. He had every right to shoot me. So I told my son that because the images they have are only, um, you know, the murders, the, the bad. So I said, this cop had every right to kill me. Name was Detective Booth, 42nd Precinct. Um, and he begged me to put it down. And finally, I put the gun down, but he had every right to shoot me. So I also give them that side of it because if we just, if they only see those images, those images, those images, um, it can really, it can really uh, mess up the mind state of what I'm trying to is in my case. You know, I think I, they, they have a lot of bad cops out there. I ain't going to lie. But they, they not all. We ain't going to say all of them are bad. You know, so I try to offset it with that, but I also let them know that, yeah, you are a, you're a mark for the police, unfortunately. That's just, that's just how I see it. But, you know, let's not just instill the bad images into the kids and let's try to get some quality police on the force. Exactly. There's a lot. There's a lot happening that way. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back after this. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining me now is board certified clinical psychologist, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He is one of America's top psychologists, a professor at Toro College of Osteopathic Medicine, an author and network TV commentator, and you've seen him on many reality TV shows as well. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's a mother of two. She's also the founder of Young Urban Moms and a real estate agent. Mary, great to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist Peter Guns. He's a father of five boys. He's the star of a very hot TV show that is basically on all kinds of platforms called Cheaters, and you may know him from what he's been going through on Love and Hip Hop New York. Peter, great to have you with us. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Glad to be here. Good to have you with us. Uh, Mary, you said that you started Young Urban Moms because when George Floyd cried out for his mother in those final moments of his life, you, you say that you told me that struck a chord with you. Explain that to us. Absolutely. Um, basically, as a mom of a Black or perceived black child, right? Because there's all these <laughs> different phrases, but it's all shades of blackness to me. Um, you fear that George Floyd's fate 
will be awaiting your child um, if he does not conduct him, especially as a male, right? And we'll get to women, you know, black women issues as well, because there are spheres in that same vein. Um, but, you know, the reality is in society, black men are considered a threat um, by law enforcement, by little old ladies who are in the park, <laughs> um, walking their dogs and you know you fear that your child will right now who is like adorable or at least I'd like to think so um, will grow up and be viewed as a black man who is there to, to, to hurt them and you know it's it's really tough to a you know face that fear as a parent but then b try to conduct your child to navigate those situations as he grows up and again still remain trusting of society and that he has a rightful place in it um so i mean these are things that we're still working through obviously kind of like we said before we all don't have the answers but i think the answer lies in understanding so i think conversations like this need to really um happen more often and there needs to be you know, a level of understanding of people on the other side of this who, you know, they have the privilege of not experiencing these things or facing these fears when raising their kids. But there does need to be an acknowledgement and some sympathy that this is what we're dealing with. That this is the reality. Dr. Jackson, in, ter in terms of children, there's a, is there, there's a certain age, parents have told me that, you know, that their kids, you know, and we see a lot more children in, in mixed race, mixed ethnicities are much more diverse um, generation in terms of in the families and within the communities themselves, but then there will still be an incident, no matter how um, how socially conscious and how sensitive people are, where there'll be a racial slur used, there'll be something derogatory, the child of color will be singled out for some way, whether it's because of the way they, their hair, you know, something is minor and their hair is referenced in a certain way. When they face a microaggression of someone saying something about the texture of their hair, or the color of their skin, or what their mom and dad may look like, or what their race may be, and they're not saying it in a positive way, uh, then they have the strength to be able to shake it off and understand that, and, and this is where I also talk with them, if someone says something to them, um, I try to teach them that perhaps the person was not intentionally doing that, uh, this is what we call institutional racism. Uh, they're not even thinking about what they're saying. These are part of the microaggressions that they experience every day, and which is why it's important for not just brown and black people, but also white people to understand uh, why we must eliminate racism and sexism and anti-Semitism and you know, homophobia and all the isms out there because it hurts everyone. But the specific thing that I say to my children is not to own that. That is not you. What they said to you, you don't have to accept. That comes from a place of ignorance, not necessarily of hate. There are people who are prejudiced, but they're not hateful individuals. So it's about stepping up, being even better, and being able to address those issues and educate those individuals who may say something that may be insulting to them. In other words, I teach them how to be better. And, and, and let me hand this over to my colleagues, uh, you know, to Mary and, and Peter. But let me just say this. I was born, you know, I'm a, you know, Mary, you talked about that you're a millennial. Well, I'm, a, I'm almost a centennial. 
I was born in 1950. Right? Exactly. And I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I was born in, thank God for Peloton. I was born in 1956. And let me tell you, when I was five or six years old, my father, who was an extremely light-skinned black man and who even thought in some ways that he was white, but he was not, he was black, um, you know, straight hair and the whole thing. My father said to me, you have to get up earlier to go to school. You have to stay later at school. You have to do more homework. You have to get straight A's. He was preparing me to be able to deal with being a black male or a black child in a society that considered me then and still considers me now, no matter what I have, uh, I have achieved to be a second class citizen and to face that glass ceiling. And I am so glad that he did that. And by the way, I had to remind him a, a few times, I don't care how light your skin is or how straight your hair is, dad, you're a black man too. All right. Mary, in terms of the, uh, you know, take me into your mother's heart and the, and the, mother, the mothers that you talk with and that you network with, the fears that they have for their children that you say, People, white parents don't understand. Well, for starters, um, the fear that your child is going to be ostracized or isolated, right? So before I put my child in any school program, um, sport, extracurricular activity, what have you, or even before I move in a certain neighborhood, um, I have to research the diversity percentages because I want to make sure that my kids aren't going to be the only, you know, brown child around, right? So there's that. Um, then there are fears. I mean, kind of like Dr. Jeff just, just described, right? Like you do have to prepare your kids to work twice as hard to get half of what they have, right? That's something that I was taught too. Obvious that we have this fear of our sons growing up and being, you know, seen as a threat, being harassed by police, not making out of encounters with police alive if they, you know, make the wrong move. Um, so, you know, these are things that, you know, we're all still winging it, so to speak, and trying to prepare them as they grow to be able to successfully encounter. Well, you know, I, I constantly talk to them because my kids grew up, they're growing up different from me. I was, I was boots on the ground in the South Bronx, through the, you know, through the 70s and the 80s. So they, they don't have those type of issues or they're not in that environment. So I constantly talk to them and, you know, they, they're just innocent, but I have to remind them all the time that is different for you. And one of the things that struck a nerve with me recently with my eight-year-old son, Kaz, I was showing him the Central Park situation where, 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 where the lady was saying, yo, as a black man threatening. And I was like, you, I, I had to tell him that just being black, he was a weapon. She, she was calling the police like a black man was a weapon. Like, she didn't say a man, she said a black man. And I was trying to tell him the difference how left that could have went for that man if the police had shown up. Right. So you're different. It's different. Now, you know, because my kids are in school in, in, in different schools and they just around a, a different, you know, variety of people and they don't see it that way. They don't see it. They, you know, their friends are, are white and, and you know, of different, of, of, you know, backgrounds. So they don't see it that way. So I have to constantly remind my kids that it's a little different for you. It's a little, it's a little different for you. And um, it's important that we, again, that, um, that we have those conversations. Shame. I hate doing it, but I have to give, I have to give them a reminder every now and then. I have to. And, 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 um, 
I just want to know, let them know it's a little different for you. It's it's a little different out here for you. And um, you just me, I didn't, my parents didn't have to see have that talk with me. I, I I lived through it. I saw it. You know what I mean? And Doc, you're not. I'm not that young either. I remember my mom, <laughs> my mom telling me that they didn't want to tell her Dr. King was assassinated because she was pregnant with me. So I'm not that young, Doc. <laughs> Oh, you look great, Peter. Thank you. You, 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 man, you, you look Awesome looking panel, Doctor Jeff. This, this idea that, that Peter that Peter just brought up the the weaponizing blackness, and also with with the children now, because the children children can be in a middle class or upper middle class community. They can be going to the same schools. You know, different races, different ethnic groups, different backgrounds as our as our country. Uh, becomes more diversified, but then there's still it's still going to be the child of color that is singled out if there's some sort of ugliness or some kind of incident. So how do you how do you prepare your children and say, listen, this is what's going to happen, but not diminish their their goals, their dreams, and just that 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 special you know that that, that special magic that kids have where they think anything is possible. Well, my, um, and I've written about this in several of my books uh, when it comes to parenting and relationships, it's how do we turn the pain of prejudice and racism into the rocket fuel for success? So, you know, I tell them on the one hand, um, God has given them the situation of where they are going to be treated in a different manner, maybe treated less than. Um, may face things that other kids don't face because of the color of their skin, in, in, in our case. But at the same time, uh, it's also a superpower in that you know you've got to be better, you've got to run faster, you've got to be smarter, you've got to work harder. So it's almost like, and Peter, remember that song by Johnny Cash, A Boy Called Sue, uh, where Johnny Cash <laughs> runs into his son and his son beats the living crap out of him. And the, the kid says to him, dad, why did you call me Sue? Why did you name me Sue? And he said, because son, I knew that once I left you, that you were on your own, you'd be treated in a different way. You'd be less than, and I wanted you to be strong. And so that's the talk I have with my kids about they just have to be stronger. It's the reality. They have to deal with it. And you know what? There are other kids who have to deal with other things. There are kids who are paraplegics. There are kids, you know, who have severe learning disabilities. There are kids who have special need kids and so on. So I don't want to minimize the issue of race, but we all have our cross to bear. Their cross is that of color, but I want them to flip the script and trick the devil and use that to be better, to be stronger, to be happier, and they can do it. I did it. I know they can do it. All right. That's that's fantastic. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. What up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about the realities of race and how we talk about it and the impact on our children. Joining me for this conversation is Dr. Jeff Gardier. He's a board-certified clinical psychologist, one of America's top psychologists, a professor at Toro College of Osteopathic Medicine. You've seen him on many 
uh, reality TV shows. He's also a network news commentator, and he's also the author of a number of books. Um, and he's the father of six children. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. It's great to be here, and I'm a little bit tired from six children. <laughs> well, with all that going on, of course, <laughs> that would be normal. Um, also joining us is Mary Monti. She's the mother of two children. She's the founder of Young Urban Moms, and she's also a licensed real estate agent. Mary, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Also joining us is uh, Grammy-nominated hip-hop star Peter Guns. You've seen him and what he's been going through in many stages of his life on Love and Hip Hop New York. He's been very open about his experiences. He's the father of five sons. And his latest project, which is taking off on streaming platforms all over the world and different TV networks, is called Cheater. Peter, thanks for being with us. Thank you. I have to add that I have five girls, too. I don't want them to kill me for that. Okay, five, I have five girls, too. Okay, we're talking about sons. Forgive me. I'm sorry about that. I don't want to... I know they would kill Peter, me. Peter, what about the girls? Because, you know, the, 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 the Breonna Taylor case was something that she, in Louisville shocked people. Here's this, here's this young woman. She's a, a paramedic. She's working in the ER during the coronavirus crisis to save lives. And then she shot and killed in her own apartment because of a mistaken search warrant. That, her case in particular has struck a nerve with a lot of young girls. What do you tell your daughters about this issue? Uh, you know what's crazy? My daughters, it's really, uh, it's really troubling to them. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's just se it's a separate situation than George Floyd and Brianna. Um, I, it's just one of those things that can happen to you too, love. You know, it can happen to you too. And that case right there is so, uh, it's disturbing. Because we are, you know, let's just keep it real. We we had a different time right now between this virus. You know, people are not, people are uh, nervous, out of work, money. And on top of that, all of this disgusting brutality from the police coming out right now. Um, that that case is really disturbing. I just I just hope with all the civil unrest that they do something about those police officers. They should be, they should be charged. And um, my daughters, they, they, their questions are what's going on? Why, you know, one, one of the officers were fired. That was it. Like what's going on? I said, well, let it play out. And I just hope, Lisa, I hope they do the right thing because this is not the time to be coming back with the wrong verdicts and not doing the right thing. And I just tell my daughters all the time, let it, you know, let's let it play out. And hopefully the right thing is done because it's very, very, very disturbing for them. It, you know, uh, constantly asking me to post Brianna. Dad, did you post Brianna? Did you post Brianna? So, yeah, them as well. You can get it too. You know, you know let's not, you know, let's not leave out the uh, the ladies. Young black women are, are threatened as well. Mary, in, in, ter in terms of your daughter, did that, that case have any impact on your daughter? Oh, absolutely. Um, my daughter actually cried about it and expressed that she's in fear um, of that happening to her. I mean, how how worse can it be to be killed when you're in your own home, in your bed? I mean, it's unfathomable. Um, but I do think the difference in fear between having a black daughter and a black son, you fear that your son is going to grow up and be feared you know, upon sight, right? Like they, and by they, I mean racists, right? Not everyone, but they fear the black man's strength. Um, but I think for black women, it's our intellect. 
than our passion that is feared and weaponized. And we're labeled as angry and, and, you know, too emotional. I mean, even by our own kind, which I don't, I think that's another show, (laughs) but yeah. So, I mean, and to that, I really just teach my daughter, obviously you can't live in fear and you have to still feel comfortable expressing yourself in as articulate a way as possible. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've even found myself personally trying to tone down my passion when I see myself in mixed company, you know, getting passionate about a specific topic because I don't want to have that label. And so I don't want my daughter to kind of have that fear um, as she grows up that she can't express herself freely because she'll be labeled and then feared in that way. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fear. (laughs) Well said, well said. Well said. <laughs> Very well said. Dr. Jeff, in, 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 terms, in terms of the girls and in terms of the women, it's the, the images of women, the stereotypes of women of color, those impact how women of color are perceived in society as well. Absolutely. And uh, yes, Peter, I agree with you that uh, Mary gave some excellent points uh, with that and something we need to address, Lisa. Um, yes, uh, I just uh, did a blog with a uh, black woman Uh, where we talked about how uh, uh, black women, uh, brown and black women, are stereotyped as being super sexual beings. And so we have to be careful of that because that puts them more at risk uh, for domestic violence and for sexual exploitation. And I think that's where a lot of that talk needs to go with our young women. Yes, they are feared for their intellect, but uh, they're also feared uh, for their uh, perceived stereotyped sexuality, and that puts them at risk for people acting out against them. And so we have to have that talk with our young ladies too. Mary, in terms of in, in terms of other family members or other people in your community, the whites in your community that you interact with, do you feel they understand this issue at all? No. Um, I think some of them want to, and I appreciate that. I mean, I've been out at the protests with my daughter, um, and there's been, you know, I'd say 40% of the the fellow protesters with us have been white. Um, What happens on social media, I must say, is a whole other (laughs) story. Um, You know, I've received threats as a result of my being vocal in my involvement in protests, in my being pro-Black Lives Matter. Um, You know, there's... I mean, even my family members who are white, who who want to understand, um, have called me saying, you know, they want to learn from me. They they do want to, you know, really understand where we're all coming from. But to them, Black Lives Matter meant that white lives didn't matter. And I kind of had to explain that. Um, and, you know, do I think that everyone gets it even after it's explained? No. Um, but I do think that understanding, right, is having an open mind and really not just targeting us and labeling us all as animals and angry for no reason and wanting to really understand why we feel like our lives don't matter in this country is really the key to it. And so I've been very vocal on social media, but taking an approach of here's what I went through, here's what my mother went through as a descendant of slaves directly. Um, you know, trying to really share personal experiences to humanize these stories and and the anger 
Um, and listen, I feel like 50-50, sometimes I get a reaction that's like, thank you. I really, now I see it differently. Um, I mean, one example is the, the Aunt Jemima rebranding. I mean, literally, uh, family members, friends, neighbors were up in arms because they felt like their childhood <laughs> syrup brand was being taken away for no reason. And when I had to explain, like, look, my grandmother, my mother's mother was the help who was basically, you know, a caricature that was associated with Aunt Jemima, that right. that's what it was inspired by. This was not that long ago. I'm a generation removed from this. Um, then it did kind of open some people's eyes. Some of them even apologized. And I had to explain, listen, I'm not here for your apology. What I'd like is your understanding so that you can join forces with us in coming to a solution moving forward. Um, so I think just trying to really provide personal experiences and a human face behind these stories and the, the actions that are taking place now is, I think, all where I can start. And at least the conversation is starting. That's that's a start. That's not the yeah. end, but that's a starting point. Peter Guns, in, in terms of how do, you how do you explain this to whites that want to understand? Because like Mary said, I've covered a lot of the protests, been many, many whites there. And and when I, I've asked them, you know, because I'm like going, you're white, you're here at a Black Lives Matter protest, why are you here? I repeatedly got the same answer from them, from the whites. They would say, we do not feel we can speak for Black Lives Matter. We are here in support of our Black brothers and sisters. Talk to them, which of course I did, but I wanted to get their, their take on it. And I thought that was some kind of awareness shift that had happened. But what do you say to whites about this? Who are like, I, I just, I just don't understand. I, I mean, again, you know, of course, I have friends, all backgrounds. I, right. I, you know, all, all of, since since day one, you know, whites have always marched. It was not, it's not, you can't, that's why I say you can't put every, you know, you can't just put it in a box. Right. Because without, without, listen, I went to two, two protests out here that were predominantly white people. You know what I mean? Weren't many blacks. And then I went to two protests out here for uh, when George Floyd um, was murdered. Um, I, I I feel, this is going to sound crazy, but sometimes I feel for them because sometimes they say something, it's not your problem. You shouldn't be saying nothing. You know, it, you, we put it, it's in a situation now where if you said something, you said too much. If you don't say nothing, then you, you're being silent. So it's almost, uh, you know, some of my white friends are scared to speak and then they're scared not to speak. It's a very, very, you know, awkward situation for them. And, um, you know, I just think your presence, uh, you, you being there, and I think that's a good answer. I'm here in support of my black brothers and sisters. The right. end is good enough. That's good that's enough. Right, exactly. And, I, and you know what? I wanted to add on to what, what she said earlier. Also, with, when it comes to black women, right? I'm guilty of, of doing some really think bad things to black women right on national TV. So we, which is a different show, a different time, but I want to say this. We have to start treating our women better if we want other people to treat them better. So I, I think we have, we play a part in that too. And I try to reiterate that to my sons, please don't move how I move. You know what I mean? So I think we have to do better. If we want other people to respect our women and treat them better, we have to treat them better. And that's something that I've been, you know, I, I should have done a long time ago, but I'm getting better at now. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's that's fantastic. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining me now is board-certified clinical psychologist, Dr. Jeff Gardier. He is one of America's top psychologists, a professor at Toro College of Osteopathic Medicine, an author and network TV commentator, and you've seen him on many reality TV shows as well. Dr. Jeff, great to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's a mother of two. She's also the founder of Young Urban Moms and a real estate agent. Mary, great to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Grammy-nominated hip-hop artist Peter Guns. He's a father of five boys. He's the star of a very hot TV show that is basically on all kinds of platforms called Cheaters. And you may know him from what he's been going through on Love and Hip Hop New York. Peter, great to have you with us. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Glad to be here. Good to have you with us. Dr. Jeff, in, in, ter- in, term- in terms of the words, what Peter just said, your reaction to that, that, the best thing is to say, listen, I'm here for you. You know, we're all human beings. I want to understand what you're going through. If you don't want to talk about it, cool, but I just want you to know I'm here. Is that enough? Right. Exactly. Um, yes, I, I think it is. And we can also, um, if you want to add a little bit more, a little bit icing to the cake, uh, give them certain books that they can read, Tanisha Coates' book. Uh, there are many other um, um, resources that are there for them, uh, programs that they can watch and so on. But it's also not getting into the blame game. You know, you all did this and you all did that and you're responsible for this or that. Uh, I think it it really is about all of us taking responsibility. I'm not saying letting anyone off the hook, but all of us taking responsibility and telling them that there should be no shame in their game if they want to step up, if they want to have more empathy, if they want to understand, then certainly we want them to do that. I work with many organizations that are predominantly white um, or, you know, other religions, and they are actively working on having workshops for their students, for their employees, to get them to be more um, cognizant of microaggressions and racism and institutional racism. Who am I to tell them, well, it's not quite enough. My thing is, thank you for what you're doing, and we would appreciate more. Right. And it's a start, a start in the right direction. Dr. Jeff, you use, you've used the term microaggressions. Can you explain, explain that for people, what that means? Well, it means uh, many things to many different people. But what we tend to see as microaggressions would be someone saying something that they're not intentionally trying to be racist or prejudiced, but it comes off that way because it is racist or prejudiced, but it's not the intent of that person. They're not really thinking, they're not educated about it, uh, they're not culturally sensitive, they're not culturally competent. One of the things I heard growing up all the time in Brooklyn was, oh, yeah, that's Jeff. He's one of the good ones. He's okay, he's one of the good ones. That's, some people might say that's a macroaggression, but that was a microaggression and that they were trying to pay a compliment but yet at the same time, it was one of those left-handed compliments that was extremely racist. And what I would then educate them to say, listen, that's not a nice thing that you said. That means that what all other black people or most black people are not nice. And I'm one of the nice ones. 
no, that's not the way you say it. Let me teach you how to say it. And they learned. And then, and then some of the, 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 action, the actions as well, where yes. you know that you're given the, the bad table in a, when we had indoor dining, you were given the bad table in the restaurant because you're black or you're with, with black friends. And then there's other tables that are better and they, they put you in some place. Uh, well, yeah, but that, that, that would be a macroaggression. If someone says, oh, let's put, you know, these black folks in the back because we don't want people to see them. It might hurt our reputation. That's a macroaggression. That, that, that is straight up racism. More of a microaggression would be, oh, we have a nice table in the back here because we know you might feel a little bit more comfortable here because oh, okay. we have to deal with all the people walking into the restaurant who may say something about you. No, let me deal with that. Don't make right. that decision for me. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for explaining that. Mary, what would you what would you want to see happen um, as, as we move forward here? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> I'd like racism to be erased. No, um, I think that the theme, the recurring theme, I think throughout this conversation unintentionally has been understanding. That's what I would really like to see happen. I would like to see people on the other side of this issue who haven't had to deal with racism realize that that's a privilege and try to understand where people who have had to deal with racism and who have to prepare their children for a life where they're going to be, you know, a result of racism treated differently um, and have to move differently. I would like for the people who don't have to deal with that to understand what it is and have a little sympathy and, you know, support companies that are actually understanding, coming to realize that their foundations are rooted in racism. And I think that's the only way that systemic racism will really eventually go away. <laughs> we have to have a, a, a way forward and a vision of what we want to have. Peter Gunn's final word, what do you think, what would you like to see happen? Because there's a um, lot of changes already, but what would you like to really see? I want to, I want to see some guilty convictions on the police first. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I want to see some guilty convictions come through on the police and then I want to see us all come together and, and try to figure things out. I would like to I would love to see more programs where the police come in, put police in the hood from the hood and let's get together in our neighborhoods with the police. So that way, when they pop up, it ain't always like the enemy popped up, you know, something where we get in, uh, you know, where we get in. Um, we, we we all get together and figure things out. I still I don't think we do that enough. I think that's those programs have to be uh, implemented, especially in the hood, where we have programs where the police come through and we we talk to one another and like you know we human. I'm no different than your brother or your sister and you know something like that. And you know more of us that's from the hood that you know made it out go back and get involved as well. And also my final word, I want to thank the doc for explaining microaggression because I've been using that term in the wrong place for the last 20 years. Thank you. No, I'm thank clearing you. That up. But, <laughs> but a lot of it, he clarified it for me, for me as well. So <laughs> Dr. Jeff, your, your final word, cause you, you know, human nature and you know a lot about what's going on in terms of the, the evolution of us as, as human beings and as, as a country, do you feel hopeful at all by all of the discussion that's happening by the changes, the protests, well, uh, I will tell you my professional opinion and my opinion is, uh, as, as being around for a long time is that things are going to get much, much worse before they get better. We're going to see uh, race clashes, not necessarily race wars, 
but race clashes around the country. We're starting to see that now. Uh, we're going to see people trying to push uh, an agenda of more divisiveness in this country. Uh, they're going to try to divide and conquer. Uh, but with all of that happening, we're going to see some other things with COVID-19. We're going into some extraordinary and dangerous times. But yes, I still remain hopeful simply because I know where there is hope, there is life, where there is life, there is hope. And we must come together. We must support one another. We must have the discussions. We must have change. We must have empathy. We must understand one another. And we must have love. That's what we need. We will get through this. We will get through it better. But we are going to see some extraordinary things. Please keep your heads together. Keep your hearts strong. And keep love Keep love in your heart because things are about to go really wacky, but we've got to stay strong. Got to stay strong and stay focused on the love. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Dr. Jeff, thank you for being with us. We really appreciate it. Mary Monte, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And Peter Guns, thank you so much uh, for being with us. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of Sweet Soldiers. If you like the show, please post a comment on my social media pages on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers Official and Verified and spread the word. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.